Salofalava, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Susana Suisuki. Coming up... I wish to assist them and uh, provide the hard evidence. A Fiji lawyer says the military's dismissal of abuse allegations is an insult to victims. Also... There's certainly a long-term plan to do that, and women's rugby is exploding in the Pacific. Critical decisions will be made for Pacific rugby. And later... It's incredibly important so that we can make sure that our identity is solid. Wellington's Pacifica community showcase their cultures. A Fiji human rights lawyer in exile is offering to provide the Fiji military and government with hard evidence to support allegations of human rights abuses against a high-ranking officer. Colonel Benioni Naliva first made headlines in the newspaper The Australian last month after being appointed Deputy Commander of the Australian Army's 7th Brigade. The paper reported allegations that Naliva had been involved in the violent beatings of two Fijian politicians in 2006. In response to questions from RNZ Pacific, the Fiji military said it stood by Colonel Naliva and waved away any allegations as social media posts by disgruntled individuals pointing out that no formal reports had been lodged with police. But lawyer Aman Ravindra Singh told Kuroi Hawkins he's concerned that the Fiji military and government have been quick to dismiss such serious allegations against a high-ranking officer. The fact of the matter is that uh, since the Bainimarama coup, uh, which was on the 5th of December 2006, I have been tracking uh, uh, human rights violations, uh, which includes uh, police, military and prison torture and uh, brutality against persons. And I have also been documenting this. Uh, it's a widely known fact that, uh, with regards to my human rights work that I've been doing over many, many years and uh, exposing uh, torture and brutality over the years. So I have been putting together documents and I have, uh, I'd say, an abundance of evidence uh, with me. And and in in regards to the allegations being put uh, been brought against Colonel Naliva. What what are we talking of? Do you know? Can you describe any of the incidents involved without obviously implicating anyone or uh, unnecessarily exposing witnesses or victims to any kind of scrutiny? With regards to Colonel Naliva's victims, uh, there are certain persons who have spoken out publicly uh, in in the recent weeks. There has been uh, evidence uh, on social media for the last uh, 10 plus years. Uh, I have personally spoken to victims. I have spent hours recording their statements. I have photographs and uh, putting it together. I have uh, recorded statements uh, and uh, photographic evidence from victims. And um, what is, you, you obviously came forward off the back of a statement that was put to us by the Fiji military saying they stand by Naliva and uh, all of the allegations are just uh, noise on social media, so to speak, no official complaints laid. Um, what, what is your response to that statement? I am deeply concerned and uh, very shocked as to how the Fiji Military Forces Commander has responded uh, and uh, the tone of his response. Firstly, the tone of his response is very casual and uh, the shocking part being that uh, he seems to very casually dismiss 
these uh, very serious allegations of torture, uh, which uh, the, while it remained an allegation, has been uh, uh, directly pointed towards uh, a colonel, a senior colonel from the Fiji military forces who currently is uh, embedded with uh, the 7th Brigade in a, in a very senior position once again as deputy commander in the Australian Defence Force. The, the the minister has also spoken about up about this and and you've um uh that's that that is and and said that there was nothing to these allegations uh what do you say to that statement in, uh, it's very appalling that the minister of defense uh, a person charged with uh, upholding law and order in the country would come out and simply say that these are mere allegations look uh, these allegations just did not uh, come about yesterday, and uh, they have been there for for many many years. And uh, perhaps Pio Tikondondo forgets that he was also part of the Banyamarama regime, which unlawfully took power and executed a coup on the fifth of December two thousand six. And uh, he was still there when these torture uh, incidents uh, uh, occurred. And we are talking about two thousand eleven. Pio was part of the military, so unless he's developed uh, uh, some sort of uh, forgetfulness uh, in the last uh, so many years. He, he knows very well the culture of the military and the culture of torture and brutality, which has also resulted in deaths uh, within the military uh, compound over the, over the last few decades. So uh, for him to again come out very casually and say these are mere allegations is very worrisome. And, uh, and farcical coming from the Minister for Minister of Home Affairs. The evidence that, that you say you you have, you, are you willing to sh- to put this forward and share with the military as they're saying they're calling for ev- any evidence and proof about these things? My uh, my motive at this very point is to continue to advocate and expose uh, incidents of torture back in Fiji. And uh, at this particular point, uh, since the Minister for Home Affairs and the military commander have both come out and uh, very casually dismissed uh, these allegations, I wish to assist them and uh, provide the hard evidence uh, uh, to enable them to look at it. And perhaps I'm quite uh, positive after looking at the evidence, they may even change their minds. But it is uh, uh, a total insult to all victims uh, and... uh, uh, the, person, the people of Fiji to come out and simply say uh, these are mere allegations and there's nothing to prove and that uh, we're dismissing these allegations. You can't do that. Uh, was there ever a police uh, investigation? No. Uh, why, was it, uh, why was there never a police investigation? Because the military regime ran the country. And um, none of these persons uh, were able to record uh, complaints with the police. But having said that, the, their... Uh, self-imposed uh, 2013 constitution under Chapter 10 immunity clauses. Uh, sections 155, 156, 157, and 158 gives blanket immunity to all persons in, uh, against criminal prosecutions, criminal charges, or civil claims. So even with the evidence, you're, based on that last thing you said, even with all of the evidence in the world, these people are, or this will... Colonel Naliva in this incident, but also anyone else that cre- uh, did any illegal acts in this in this against human rights or torture or allegations of such, are, are, are immune, so can't be prosecuted today? Is is that what you're saying? Uh, yes, absolutely correct. And 
uh, let me put it this way: the the military is hiding behind those immunity clauses. So it is very uh, uh, simple to come out and simply say these are just mere allegations, or uh, we are outrightly dismissing the social media allegations because they are able to be protected or they continue to have that protection from the 2013 constitution uh, under the immunity clauses. So if that, that is the case, uh, it is not uh, uh, that simple or straightforward. Any, any other country without the immunity clauses, uh, persons would be able to uh, go to the police station today and file complaints. Right. So so just to be crystal clear, the, the allegations against Colonel Naliva fall within the protection of those immunity clauses. Therefore, he cannot be prosecuted in Fiji. Yes. Rugby in the Pacific continues to go through some critical phases as World Rugby works with the region's rugby nations on mapping pathways and player development plans. Fiji and Tonga are searching for head coaches to lead their respective teams in the build-up to the 2027 Rugby World Cup in Australia. And both World Rugby and the New Zealand Rugby Union say critical decisions need to be made and steps taken to ensure the game continues to thrive and achieve the highest levels possible. Elias Atora has the story. Former Flying Fijians captain and coach Simon Rewa-Lui, now World Rugby's high-performance pathway and player development manager, says while the capabilities of coaches is important, it is critical that coaches selected for Allen Unions understand the culture and the people they will represent. For me, being from the Pacific Islands, uh, being Fijian, we have very similar cultures to Tonga Samoa. There has to be a cultural fit. There has to be something that um, there's a connection back to the people. There's a connection back to who we are, what's important to us, our why. Why, why do we play for Tonga? What's important for us in the, in the red jersey? So I think all those aspects will be looked at when we're, when we're looking at a head coach. Raiwalui says support staff are important as well. Adding, if unions are going to ask members of the public to invest in teams, then the unions should be investing in the people as well. The staff that supports that head coach is just as important. There has to be alignment. It's not just the X's on the field, political coaches. What is important to Tongans? What is important to the... If we're going to ask the people to invest in the team, we must invest in the people. Meanwhile, Chris Landrum, New Zealand Rugby's general manager, professional rugby and performance says the Zanzar unions are looking at potentially including the Flying Fijians and Japan in the rugby championship. Yeah, well, we're having um, discussions currently with our Zanzar partners about the future of the rugby championship and it's certainly true that both Fiji and Japan are potential additions into the tournament at some stage in the future. I think it's really important uh, that both nations are ready, both from a a performance perspective as well as a financial perspective to enter that competition and that's something that we will um, be discussing in the coming weeks. Chris Landrum says there are also ongoing discussions on merging the Super Rugby W competition in Australia with New Zealand's Super Rugby Aupiki competition. There's certainly a long-term plan to do that, and women's rugby is exploding in the Pacific, Um, and and so there's huge opportunity as we build both the competition, the domestic competition for women's rugby in this region, uh, but also more broadly in terms of international rugby for more and more linkages directly with the Pacifica nations. Mr. Landrum believes the inclusion of the Penina Pacifica women's team in the Super W competition this year 
and the Moana Pacifica Under-20 Championship this month are new developments that will continue to boost rugby development growth in the Pacific. Wellington's Pacific community came together to honour their rich cultural heritage at the annual Wellington Pacifica Festival over the weekend. Pride and passion for Pacifica excellence was on full display down at Waitangi Park. Tiana Haxton was in Te Whanganui Atara for the event. Over 15,000 people come together every year for the Wellington Pacifica Festival. With sights, sounds and flavours evoking the essence of the Pacific, participants embarked on a journey through the diverse island nations of Te Moana Nui o Kiva. Brunella Tawira Kisona, the event's MC, emphasised its significance in maintaining cultural ties to the homeland. It's incredibly important so that we can make sure that our identity is solid and we can do that by surrounding ourselves with people who identify with our same culture to ensure that we are continuing our Pacific traditions and cultures. So, amazing. Representatives from Polynesia, Micronesia and Melanesia showcase their crafts, cuisine and captivating performances, underscoring the significance of the Wellington Pacifica Festival. Salwin Teho of the Solomon Islands community says while maintaining connections among Pacific communities at the festival were important, it was also an open invitation for people of all backgrounds to experience various Pacifica cultures. It's a day where we come and then share our cultures with other Pacific countries too and then to share it with the whole Wellington community. Youth involvement in cultural preservation was emphasised by Teho, who expressed pride in seeing different generations unite on stage. Seeing our new generation and the older generation together on the stage is just really amazing. It, it, it means a lot to us. Echoing similar sentiments, the Porirua Samoan Methodist Youth Group says having family support at cultural events was special. Violini Ayono led a team of first-time performers on stage while their parents cheered them on from the audience. Very special, especially for our young girls who are first-time performing. They do get stage prior and so it's good to have all our, um, our mums and dads here to support our young kids. So we like to celebrate our culture with everybody here. PMN radio personality Sassination Seta performed alongside Cook Island's champion dancer Caroline Bishop. The two led a cultural activation space, engaging attendees in the traditional dance forms of Urakuki Airani. Seta expressed gratitude for the opportunity to share Pacifica heritage. The crowd, the atmosphere, absolutely amazing. It was an absolute honour and a privilege to be celebrating Pacifica and Pacifica excellence uh, at a festival like this. Saturday's resounding success underscores the enduring vibrancy and value of Pacific Island heritage in Aotearoa. The Wellington Pacifica Festival yet again left attendees eagerly anticipating next year's event. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs. We're also on Spotify, Apple and iHeartRadio. From myself and the RNZ Pacific team, till fast three four.